1: everybody!
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast, where we are here to become better habitat managers. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we have another great show for you guys tonight. We have my friend Corey Francis from Southeast Michigan. Corey is a small farm owner. Uh, not even one year yet has he owned this farm, and you guys have to hear all of the habitat management uh, strategies and things that he has implemented so far in just his first year of owning the property. It's nothing short of amazing, and it makes me feel really slow and guilty. <laughs> but he does a really good job, and is just a very hard worker. So I thought he'd be a perfect guy to have on the podcast and, and you know, tell us all about the, the things we're going to get into, like how he found this property and how he got his family on board to help him with his habitat work and wife and kids and all that. Uh, switchgrass, food plots in year one, all the trees he planted, hinge cutting in year one, Uh, starting a deer cooperative around his farm in year one, and also uh, he is the president of the Southeast Michigan QDMA branch, and he's done all of this within the last year, guys. Corey, uh, a good friend of mine, he's a hard worker, and I just wanted to get him on here, and you guys are going to love the episode. Uh, before we talk any more about that, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in one more week to the podcast here. Thank you guys very much for all the nice reviews and, and feedback we get online, and thanks for coming back to listen. I also want to thank our sponsors. I was out with uh, the Michigan Whitetail Pursuit guys this past weekend. We had a a team pheasant hunt. We got together to cover some of the new fourth arrow products and some of our filming ideas for this fall. So. Uh, guys, Season 10 on Michigan Whitefield Pursuit should be a good one. Uh, be sure to check them out on YouTube where the web show is released uh, very close after the hunt, within a week or two usually after the hunt takes place. That's pretty cool. I'd also like to thank Gabe Paselli at Dip That Hydrographics. Gabe was actually in a serious accident this last weekend, guys. I don't know a ton about it. Uh, I just know that his family uh, asks for our prayers and support. And uh, there's also a GoFundMe page that I'll post up on the Habitat Podcast Facebook. So, uh, Gabe, we wish you well and and quick healing, brother. And, and, uh, you know, we'll send the prayers upstairs and definitely get that GoFundMe going. And then next I'd like to thank the Habitat Hook from Nick Nation. I was out hinging last weekend getting my food plot barrier in place I'm making a barrier to split my plot into and I did that by dropping some big trees right down the middle, and uh, that hook makes it so I didn't have to cut far enough through the tree to where the hinge would lose its integrity. I cut just enough and pushed it over with the habitat hook, and the tree did not break off. Uh, both of the very important big trees are the ones I'm talking about where they formed the initial structure for the barrier in the food plot. So I know uh, many of our partners, guys, have discounts, when you mention the Habitat Podcast. I know uh, Gabe at Dip That does. I know Nick Nation at the Habitat Hook and also Lincoln Run at Packer Max. So all you have to do is mention the Habitat Podcast and you will receive a discount on those products. couple last things. We are doing an email giveaway for anybody who submitted their email address on HabitatPodcast.com. We're ha- are hosting a giveaway at the end of this month. So I'll go on Facebook for that. But if you want to, join that giveaway. Just go on our website, submit your email for notifications, and uh, we will be giving away a special gift to all those subscribers. And lastly, guys, Corey, like I mentioned, is the president of the Southeast Michigan QDMA, or Quality Deer Management Association, branch. And their banquet, their next banquet, is April 13th. So if you're interested in attending, meeting Corey and all the Southeast Michigan guys, um, it would be a great time to, to go. I was actually was a speaker at their last pint night in in uh, Adrian, Michigan. So you're going to be able to tell with this podcast, we are actually at that pint night. So I apologize for the background noise, guys. But we were at this event. We wanted to do a live podcast during the event. And we were able to record Corey's episode at the event. So bear with us. There's a little bit of background noise, but there's a ton of great information And, uh, you know, it's just amazing all the work Corey got done in year one. And just goes to show that any of us regular guys, if we want it bad enough, can get out there and do this habitat work and be successful. So, guys, here he is, Corey Francis, Southeast Michigan property owner. All right, guys, welcome back. We are here in Adrian, Michigan at the uh, Southeast Michigan QDMA pint night. Got my buddy Corey Francis here. Corey, how you doing, man?
0: I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on.
2: Of course. Of course. I've uh, been meaning to get you on for, what, like a year now? Yeah. Before we first started talking, it was a while back. Yeah. Um, but you are the the president of this branch, is that correct? Tell me about the branch, and then we'll get right into the podcast.
0: Yeah, so this is the Southeast Michigan QDMA branch. It covers Washtenaw, Monroe, Lenawee, Jackson, and Hillsdale counties. Um, the branch has been going for about, oh, maybe 10, 11 years ago. Uh, it got started by a few guys and I helped back then and, you know, life happens and I, I couldn't help, help out anymore. And, you know, as you know, I just bought a farm about a year ago, so I figured it was a good reason to, uh, get back involved with the branch and, and so it's kind of been a little in limbo for the last couple few years, so I wanted to dedicate a little bit of time to get it going.
2: Okay. So you literally are revamping the branch from uh, maybe a pause or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. All right. Great, man. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me down. I yeah. appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Appreciate being here.
2: Um, you bought, w- what attracted me to get you on here was the fact that you bought and closed on a farm just last year. hmm um, And the amount of habitat work that you've done in one year, it hasn't even been a year yet, has it?
0: No. April 9th, I closed on it.
2: April ninth. Tell us about uh, a little bit about you, how you got into habitat yeah. work, kind of your background, and then we'll get into your farm and what you've done.
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, I've been pretty much obsessed with deer and deer hunting uh, my entire life. I mean, I had a little recurve bow when I was probably five, six years old, would walk around and shoot at rabbits. I remember a day I shot at a squirrel that was like eight feet up in a tree, and the arrow hit him, bounced off, and, you know, the <laughs> squirrel went on its way. And so I've been doing this for for a long time, just absolutely obsessed. You know, as a kid, I used to actually uh, draw, I was loved to fish, too, so I'd draw ponds and pretend structure in the bottom of ponds and deep ends and shallow ends, and, like, I just have always been loving creating habitat for, for animals and for, you know, to benefit my hobbies. So, you know, grew up hunting, shooting deer, and uh, missing a lot of deer, more than I've shot, probably, but, uh Yeah. I felt I started probably doing some like habitat work and didn't know what I was doing. I think in 2005 I bought a quad and a okay. disc and started you know putting in little quarter acre plots and really doing a good job getting the weeds going because I probably didn't know what I was doing and you know over time I had some decent plots and uh, I was fortunate to have good soil where I was so it, it just turned out well, but. In April, like we talked about, I bought this farm, and uh, it's been trial by fire, man. <laughs> yeah, since then. Well, you haven't owned
2: property much longer than I have. You're, yeah. I was. I think I closed February of, what's oh, this, 19th, so 17. Yeah. So I just hit my two-year mark. Yeah. Um, so I was... Pretty impressed when I saw all the things you were doing. You let me come down to your farm. Yeah. We walked it. I don't remember. Was it June?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think so. I
2: think it was June, and uh, you had already done a ton by June.
0: Yeah. I mean. Listen, yeah.
2: Tell me about this farm. It's in Michigan.
0: Yeah, it's in Michigan. It's in Jackson County. It's in Grass Lake Township. Um, we're on the border of Washtenaw Jackson County. If, if deer across the street, it's going to go into uh, to Washtenaw County, but. Uh, So, it's a mix of agriculture and swamp, some timber, hardwoods, and also what attracted me to buy the property was in, I guess, on my south side, there's a 20 acre chunk that it used to potentially be maybe a hay field, and then they put it in some kind of a program where they planted Norways, but in this 20 acre chunk, there's groups in Norways, and I would say there's, you know, a thousand Norways in this field. And I, and I drove back there, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, just basically a pine tree forest with all these openings, and I just knew deer would would love bedding in there. So I, I, I told my realtor, um, I, I went uh, with a buddy of mine. Actually, he started this branch 10, 12 years ago, Jason Perry. Uh, he, he was my realtor. He knew exactly what I was looking oh, okay. for. Yeah. And I walked this the first farm, I walked, and I was like, dude, just go make an offer. You bought
2: the first farm you walked?
0: Yeah, kind of, <laughs> right? But yeah. Very nice. So I've been looking at love your, you know, site, been, man, yeah, love for first sight. Well, you know, I've been shopping for the last couple of years, um, and I finally had, you know, lots
2: of online, yeah, handwatch all that, all of it, man, yeah, it. all
0: of it. Looking at it, you know, uh, just studying aerials and just kind of just thought, you know figuring out exactly what I wanted, and yeah, and obviously I had a budget, you know, I'm a normal human being, I had a budget. And Jason, of course, did do know. Listen, so you got to walk out of the farms. <laughs> and he said, This is a good farm, but you have to walk other farms. So we went and looked at a couple other ones. And uh, one in Parma was pretty cool. And, you know, it could have killed, it felt like one of those farms you walk, you could have killed a five and a half year old every year on it. Just, just insane, thick. And uh, this farm, just location wise, my wife was on board. She thought it was a great location. It's 40 minutes from our house. Uh, so That's i'm, I'm used to driving yeah. southern ohio hunting used to driving out know, to cold water and hunting, which is almost two hours. so the thought of having a place forty minutes away where now I can you know bring my family and get them involved was was really attractive to me and then also, I really do enjoy this the habitat thing and and i didn 't realize even how much I enjoyed it until I started getting into it a year ago, really, um, if you think about it, other than putting in a few food plots, and I didn't know, I, I think I mentioned this to you, I didn't know what switchgrass was, right? right. Uh, first thing I planted. I planted, I bought my farm on April 9th, I planted switch on April 15th, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, it's really uh, been a big adventure for me.
2: Okay, very nice. And yeah, 40 minutes from home, that's, that's perfect. It's just out of the, the range of, you're going to go check your camera every single day type thing. But it's close enough to where you can get there for a morning hunt or, yeah. or whatever and uh, bring the family out without yeah. having to put a movie on in the truck and, you know, yeah. have a nap the whole way there. That's perfect, man. Um, so you bought it. How did you know you were going to like Habitat work so much? Like, What have you been doing over the last year? Just like on Facebook and, and reading other people's posts? or yeah. What made you go out and just start planting switchgrass right off the bat? I yeah. mean, it's kind of intimidating
0: to me. Like, I haven't yeah. planted that stuff yet. Well, uh, a, a lot of credit to you, uh, your podcast and oh, the people that you, I'm, I'm, I mean it, man. Uh, your podcast and the, all the topics that you have, uh, it doesn't make it easy. It's still very, very challenging. Um, between that and videos, I watched everybody's videos, you know, uh, online. The, you know, the Sturgis, the Browker, the the Jakes, um, watch all the videos and just kind of just. Got inside, try to get inside of what their their plan and their strategies were, and I, I made it my own based on you know the canvas that I had to work with.
2: Okay. So how did that bushgrass turn out first year?
0: So I, I was fortunate enough that I planted it in, and uh, so it, imagine a big uh, twenty acre cornfield. Just call it 150 yards wide, 200 yards wide by 900 yards long. It's just a solid straight line. Uh, you could see a mouse on the other side of the field when you're standing at my barn. Uh, at the top of the field, and and I just, I knew that was, I knew that was wrong, and I also knew that I didn't want to have agriculture, uh, because I was looking at a 20-acre cornfield, that didn't have any value for... It was a cut cornfield in April, right? And it didn't have any value for wildlife. Besides, you know, maybe a bird flying across it, there wasn't a deer in it, there wasn't a turkey in it, there was, there was no food left in this cornfield. So I knew, I knew at that point, point. Um, plus, I, also, I didn't want to have to walk through an ag field to get to any stand of mine, right? I mean, that just blows deer out, and that's just a bad, a bad thing, too. So
2: you already, not to interrupt you, but you already kind of know how the hunting side of it works, right? You kill yeah. some nice deer... Yeah. You know you can't just walk across an empty ag field on your way to your standing. You're going to blow everything out before you get there. All right, continue. Sorry, I just, just yeah. talked the story here a little bit. Yeah, so
0: as far as the switch is concerned, I, I just said, okay, well, a switch is going to be a, a visual screen. Uh, I'm going to plant it every 100 yards going across this field to, to to have a visual barrier. So it was a cut corn field. There was no weeds. There weren't any, this, any competition. So obviously I, I couldn't prep the, the ground to fall before. I didn't know about this property. So I just went frost it. April 15th I just I had a, my four wheeler and I had a, a drag and I drugged rough to rough the ground up and knocked some of the corn stubble off and uh, frost heated switch hit it with uh, and again testament to you man I, I, and a couple other guys that I've talked to they said hit it with simazine and then maybe if you have some competition hit it with roundup before you know glyphosate before your uh, switch actually emerges so that's what I did and actually, this year, uh, everywhere I planted it, and it's about a car lane wide, and I figured I planted about a mile of switch, about a car, a car lane wide. Wow. If you think about, you know, 900 yards on each side, you know, 150 yards times probably, you know, eight stretches across the field to break it up. Again, I wanted to break up every 100 yards. I don't like deer seeing far, right? They just – Love it. it. makes them nervous. I love it. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, so it, it came up. It was three, four feet tall. Came in really thick. I got really lucky that it came in like that and uh, you know it's prepped now to be twice as wide next year I'm just going to okay. double those rows and also on on most of those rows I also planted a row in Norway's because again I'm, I'm going to break this field this 20 acre field up into several blocks uh, I'll, Perfect. You know, I'll keep a deer busy and I don't want a buck to come out see 800 yards and say you know no girls out here I'm going to go home Yep. go somewhere else so
2: Okay. yeah now is that pretty good growth
0: for year one? That's I what I'm told. It, I think so, it is. Yeah, I personally don't know. Um, uh, uh, my neighbor, uh, very influential on, on a lot of the habitat stuff I've done. His name's uh, Jared McCle- McClellan. Yeah. Uh, he he claims to, to think that was phenomenal okay. growth for year one. So good. That's good. my expectations from now on. Is to have you know four foot switch year one. So hopefully this year it's six feet tall and it's a it's a viable screen.
2: Well, I'd rather have you come plant it at my place than me try it, because if I can get four feet on year one, I'll be a happy guy. Yeah, I think That's I hit awesome. it
0: with, you know, some, uh, you know, urea, and okay. I think maybe some triple 19 when I planted it. No, no lime, although my pH is not very good. I've, I have crummy soil, too. I have, I have sandy loam, you know.
2: Yep, I'm the same on mine. Yep. Everything
0: drains right out of it.
2: Um, me being, you know, newer to this stuff, I didn't think my soil was that sandy, but you look at the report, it's there. I mean, um, and, and testament to that no-till stuff that helps sometimes too with that. But uh, back to switchgrass, what did you do to prep for your second planting, to widen your yeah. your, car, your car lane wide, and, and what does that entail?
0: Yeah, so uh, this, this fall, maybe August, I went through and in, in, uh, mowed and then hit it with glyphosate to, to get a good kill. Uh, I prepped some new areas that I mowed and then hit with glyphosate around August, but I was, hand- I, I, I left my property, didn't do anything on it in September and I probably should have that south area with all those Norways I should have hit that with glyphosate probably in late September or early October and I, and I didn't I just didn't want to put the pressure on it
2: and would I wouldn't running the
0: equipment through in hindsight you know, I, I could have run a four-wheeler out there and it really would probably have bothered them, um Based on where they're actually betting, I just first year didn't really know exactly where that was, but uh, yeah, it, uh, glyphosate mode. So I pretty much bare dirt now, and I'll frost feed that. Uh, you know, probably early April again. That worked out pretty good last time.
2: Okay, so so I have it straight, and everybody else, you're supposed to prep, yeah, the fall before, yep. for your planting that spring, yeah. That's what we learned at the habitat day. You and I were just that a yeah. couple weeks ago. They were yeah. talking about the same thing, um, David and Dan and whatnot. Um, all right, how many Norway's do you, do you think you, you planted year one on your property?
0: Wait,
2: how many miles of switch?
0: I think there's a mile. I I, I calculated about a mile a switch of switch, a car okay. lane wide. Okay, and how many Norway's do you, you plant? Um, I think I bought 500 Norway's, 100 white pines, and maybe. Uh, maybe 50 white spruce, so you know, 600, 650 trees, awesome. something like that.
1: Yeah, and that was a lot of
0: fun out there, right, in the middle of the cornfield by myself, not, not knowing if I should be planting them, where I'm planting them. And it's a lot of work. I mean, you, you, you don't think about it, but you're, you know, dropping it in with a dibble bar. I don't know if you've ever planted two twos. The two I haven't two. planted two twos, yeah. but I am
2: familiar. with yeah. Break it down. What's a dibble bar, and how do you do that?
0: Yeah, so a dibble bar is basically just a way for you to break in and uh, create a wedge in, in the soil to be able to drop the roots in. Okay. Um, when you get your norways, you want to make sure you, you, trim, you trim the bottom of the uh, roots off.
2: Why is that? Well, you
0: don't want them to J-root. So let's say you dig a 9-inch, 10-inch uh, spade hole with your dibble bar. Uh, you want those roots to only be that long, otherwise they J-hook. And uh, I, for some other people, are a lot smarter on the, why that's bad. But apparently, that can help. That can in, encourage it to uh, get the roots to grow up instead of out. So I'm learning
2: something. Yeah, right. this, is, this is why we talk yeah, about so this so stuff, man. I love it. Yeah, so I carried around a big pair that's of right. shears,
0: and uh, every tree I put down, I had to trim the bottom of it off. Also, uh, from what I understand, if you trim, if you just trim the, trim the. Uh, the tips of the roots off it helps encourage them to to start growing as well so there's a couple reasons why you would uh you cut the tips of the root off i mean you're not cutting it down to two inches but you also don't want them you don't want 15 inch roots going in an eight inch hole it just they'll it it, it can stunt the growth of the tree um so yeah
2: and correct me if i'm wrong you're supposed to keep those roots uh damp right don't let them dry out
0: yeah don't let them dry out okay Yeah, so I planted them pretty much right away. I I bought these from Coldstream, and they shipped them to my house.
1: Nice. Uh,
0: And as soon as I got them, uh, you know, over the course of probably a week or so, I went out and I just would plant 30 or 40 at a time. My wife would help me, you know, my my kids would would come out and help me, which was actually pretty cool. That was a lot of fun, really getting the family involved.
2: Very nice. That's awesome. Now, I'm just impressed with how much, like I said... And like I'll keep saying, you've done in year one. How about plots? Yeah, so... How many acres of plots do you think you planted? Yeah. I mean, I walked. I saw them all. Um, and tell me about how you got into that, why you chose what you chose in terms of seed. I mean, being new to it, why did you pick what you picked?
0: Yeah, so I, I told my wife that I was going to get this all done with the four-wheeler. And... I started driving the four wheeler, pulling a, a, my disc, and which I've done before, right? And, and I could just tell my four wheeler did not like me. And so a week—That's what I do. Yeah. So a week later, I was at the Kubota dealership and uh, picked up a, a Kubota. And I really wanted to save money, and I wasn't going to get the one with a cab. But I brought my wife on a rainy day, and I just—I asked her to make the decision if we should get a cab or not. You planned
2: that out, sir. It worked well, out very well. well. Yeah. Well, the truth is, man,
0: uh, you know, I didn't (laughs) want to spend, I mean, it's like, you know, an extra few bucks to get a cab, and I didn't want to spend that money, but, man, I have kids, I have young kids, I have a, my daughter's now three, you know, two two, uh, almost 10 year old, or they were almost 10 at the time, Uh, so I wanted to have them in the tractor with me, and I'm thinking, how, how irresponsible is that for me to, you know, drive around, having them almost fall off the tractor, so anyways, I got the cab, never, man, it was honestly the best investment that I, I made, so... And what time of year are you planting, you know what I mean? It's not... Yeah.
2: It's very warm out. It's yeah, warm, right? yeah. So now I have AC,
0: right? That's awesome. So I may or may not left work early a couple of days, brought my daughter, um, make sure that anybody that I work with does not subscribe to this podcast,
1: because <laughs> I spent a lot
0: of time in the tractor uh, last summer. But, so as far as a plot, uh, I planted probably about 10 acres total. Wow. Yeah, so... It was a lot of work, a lot of fun though. I mean, just turning the ground and and cultipacking, and uh, again, the cab cab was nice because I wasn't chewing dust. That yeah. was really nice because it was very dry, and again, I had sandy soil, so that was nice. So I made, let's just say a two, like just round numbers, two acres, uh, a two and a half, a, another one and a half, and another one and a half. So I I figured that my main plots that I was going to plant in in a mixture. Uh, were you know let's just say eight acres and I planted them in beans right away. I Got the the QDMA Roundup Ready beans and it was a good way for me to get something in the dirt, get some deer kind of just activity so I could see something you know eating something I planted. Yeah. And then also I could still stay on it with glyphosate because again this ground you know some of it was not worked at all. I did a control a couple controlled burns to start some of the fl- to start some of the plots to get wow. some of the big yeah some of the big debris that was oh, on. I knew it. that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, one of the first things I did was uh, I burnt maybe three or four acres.
2: You literally went out there,
0: Scoot. year one or month one, maybe. Month one, lit it on fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it helped. impressive. Yeah, I had help from a buddy and, uh, again, you know, learned to bit Still, though,
2: that's that's very intimidating stuff to do. I mean, I understand the value in it, and it's, yeah. it's amazing. So it needs to be done. Yeah. But, wow, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Again, knew nothing about control burns. I learned a little bit. I took the deer steward one course, and, you know, Craig Harper had a little thing on there about uh, controlled burns, and you, you learned a little bit there, but still, fire gets really hot, and you had a, I had a, a big respect for it, I caught a a tree, it was a, like a, a cedar, and before I knew it, this cedar was just on fire, and it was fine, we knew it was probably going to go, I didn't make a break around it, and it's, I didn't really need the tree where it was, and, but. It, in probably five seconds, it went from oh, I think the tree is going to catch on fire, to the the tree being completely engulfed in flames. Torched. Oh, torched. And the heat uh, is insane too. And if you have a problem, and I had all, I had a my backpack sprayer with you know some you know some water, and it made four gallons, and then yeah. my tank sprayer, my 25 gallon tank sprayer on the back of my quad to control the edges, and I put in brakes too. I did I did make all, I made all the brakes and, but. The heat from that fire, where it's some areas I was making sure it didn't get out of control, it was, it's just it's insanely hot. So uh, a lot of respect for anybody that fights fire. Or yeah. it's, it's not anything uh, anything to, to play around with.
2: Karma fire department right there. Yeah.
0: yeah, clear compliment.
2: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Okay, so you burned off three, four acres uh, at least. Yep. And then you were planning class. What, uh, what time of year was this and and what were your thoughts? You did beans first.
0: Yeah, beans. The beans were already coming up when I was out there, so. Yeah, it must have been late May, I guess, I planted the beans. Maybe, uh, you know, I think around May 30th, I think I said I planted the beans. Deer were smashing them. They crushed them. It was about eight, eight, eight acres of beans. Did you
2: grow any? Did they, any of them make it?
0: Yeah, I mean, they made it to, you know, not even quite knee-high, and okay. then I ended up disking them in and putting my actual fall plots in it.
2: Okay. And what did you plant for fall plots?
0: Yeah, so I planted every plot the same, and that w- that was by really? design, right? I-, I didn't want a flavor of a month beyond this side of the farm, another flavor of a month beyond that side of the farm. So all my plots were, uh, the base of it was uh, brassicas, radishes, and then crimson clover, wheat, oats, and rye. I ended up getting... Uh, you know, over-seeded into them mid-September.
2: Pretty good mix. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I just wanted something that would always be there. They, they yeah. crush the radishes right away. Okay. Uh, the turnips are all being eaten right now. This yep. time of year. Yep. Um, and the crimson clover, they love that. As soon as, as soon as the radishes were eaten. They they just once they could see the crimson they they crushed that.
2: Did that come in pretty good for your first year? Yeah, I think so. Over? I think I did maybe
0: well. It's crimson, so crimson I think is a little different than. Is it an annual? It is. It it's uh it will reseed itself. Okay. Right, but it, but it'll die after. What I understand it dies after it, seed, it seeds out, and well, which will be this spring. And then that'll die, but the other, the other stuff uh, will reseed itself. So if you keep, if you plant a crimson clover and then keep discing it, from what I understand, or lightly disking it, from what I understand, it'll, it'll you'll keep a stand of it. Okay. Um, but uh, it's not like a chicory or the uh, white clovers that just keep coming back and getting thicker and thicker gotcha. over time.
2: Okay. Gotcha. And how did you like it?
0: Uh, man, they loved it. And, and it probably was my problem this year is, you know, I wanted to hunt my farm, and... They were on the plots every single night, and so I, I probably educated a lot of the mature deer early. But man, I, to answer your question, they absolutely loved uh, my plots, and I would see on the, the two two and a half acre plot, I would see sometimes thirty five deer on it.
2: Are you kidding? Yeah, and then i the
0: yeah one plot, and then wow. I'd have cameras on the other plots. I bought that Cuddy Link system, so yeah. so I didn't have to go out and check cameras every yep. five days or twenty minutes. And the way that the way that I am, I, I always want to see cameras. So the CuddyLink Cuddy system was a, was a really nice investment to be able to continuously just get pictures of deer without having to go out on the property and disturb them.
2: So it was worth it?
0: Is yeah, it worth I think the Cuddy so. Link in general? Yeah, I think so. Uh, any, any type of cell cam. I've had uh, the same Spartan camera for maybe five seasons now, okay. and I love it. Uh, but one spark cam just isn't going to cut cover 70 acres for me. So right. uh, I bought six Cuddy Links, and I'm going to definitely get, keep adding to it. And I know there's sure. newer technology and, uh, you know.
2: Well, I just heard mixed reviews. Uh, I think Dan got rid of all his, yeah. and I'm not sure why. Uh, I've never messed with them, so I can't comment. I just didn't know if, if that was something. Because the idea of putting them out there and not messing with them, Yeah. I'm all about that, right? Yeah. Or 10 cell cams. Probably... One route being smarter than the other, but they're both achieving the same goal, which is no pressure yeah. or low pressure. Right. So
0: I love that. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's, it, I had talked to Dan about it, and he, he thought maybe it might have missed a few deer. I, I don't know. I can't say that I missed deer or not because I wasn't there to see them. I didn't have another camera to, to check it against yeah. it. But Yeah. Overall, very happy. Nice. It, it, it gives you a good idea uh, okay. of what's going on out there.
2: Okay. Now, moving into fall, I want to know, well, actually, you know, hold up on that. What else did you plant or do in terms of, we cover switchgrass, food plots,
0: norways. Mm-hmm.
2: I assume you planted some fruit trees.
0: Yeah, so my, or, first, or what my, else? my first order was uh, called Charlie Morris.
2: Yeah,
0: just interviewed him, so. Yeah. Great guy. Awesome. Very knowledgeable. I knew yeah. nothing about planting trees. I've never planted a tree in my entire life. And I bought 25 apple trees from him. And he told me what to do and how to plant them. So, what kind? Yeah. Okay, you're, you you <laughs> to name all of them. Yeah, so I bought like a... Grafted, non-grafted, how uh, you know? I actually bought... I think I bought non-grafted. This okay. year, all, my, all mine that I bought from him were grafted. Okay. Uh, but I bought maybe, uh, you know, like five pears, five crabs, and, you know... 10 or 15 others, uh, other apples, and and most of them were mid to late drops, and that's the goal is, I I want to plant trees that are going to be of high attraction uh, during the fall, and and not that I want to back down on food plots too much, but I kind of want to back down on food plots, because, you know, a two-acre plot is nice, but, you know, we're in Michigan, and the reality is, you know, mature bucks don't love two acre food plots and the mature does even as i would hunt it more and more they used to come out really nice in this 20 20 yards from the one stand i'd like to hunt in the wind that i could after a while they came out in the middle of the field which is fine uh, because it gave me less temptation to to shoot them (laughs) because i really enjoy uh, harvesting does especially with the numbers that we have out there but uh, i'd like to create you know have it just still have the food value out there but uh, increase the cover value as well at the same time
2: Nice. I feel like we talk about that a lot, going from uh, starting out being a food plot extraordinaire to, shoot, I need more cover. At least that's what I went through. I'm still going through that.
0: Um, Okay, so 25 fruit trees. Quite the order as well, man. I mean, you were busting your butt out there. Yeah. Um, One other thing I did plant is I planted kind of through the middle of what's going to be my bedding area as it's it's progressing. I planted about an acre and a half, a couple car lanes wide kind of just winding through that one acre block of Norway's. Um, the goal is to have the food right within their bedding. You know, deer feed five times a day, like they say. I don't want them going far. I want them to get up, eat some clover, uh, and then go back and bed back down and not have to, like, walk across the property line at, at noon, potentially get shot or bed somewhere else.
2: So you're saying you planted food in and then throughout the bedding area. In and I'm throughout the bedding through. area, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice.
0: Um,
2: how about any miscanthus?
0: Yeah, so I planted about 500 rhizomes in miscanthus, and, and the goal of that was to block the road. There's a main road there, and it's a very, uh, very low-travel main road, and it's all farm, so everything kind of looks the same, but I wanted to block uh, the main road. So I planted norways along it, and then, obviously, uh, that's my long-term goal, and I planted miscanthus as well. And then my – so to speaking of the roadway, I also planted uh, – of the plot screen, John, John Comp from Northwood White, yeah. Whitetail. Yeah. Uh, food plot seed, I planted plot screen along the road too. So, and, and my idea was I didn't want a car driving by changing the behavior of an animal out in the field. So, yeah. So I'm trying to block that road, and I did a bunch of hinge-cutting to block the road, too. I have a bunch of black locusts, and that hinge-cut's really nice.
2: Yeah, man, so you went to the Miscanthus, some plot screen, which I assume is like an Egyptian wheat or a a a, annual, an annual screen, and then you even got into hinge-cutting
0: your first year as well. I did. Yeah, again, never had a hinge-cut a tree, and uh, my my neighbor, uh, Jared uh, McClellan, came over and showed me how to hinge-cut a tree, and, you know, obviously you watch the videos, and... But, yeah, it, it just, it's just it's interesting. It's surreal actually doing it for the first time. And now I'm probably over because now all winter I've been bored and just walked around just seeing Hey, some tri- guys say there's no
2: such thing as over yeah. Some guys don't like hinge cutting at all. So it's, it's one of those things that works for you great, you yeah. know. Um, but, and this is only the first year. And I was out there in June, I believe, and I'm pretty sure all of this was done even then. You'd already hinge cut. You already had that miscanthus in. You already had those Norways. You mm-hmm. Food plots were done. I mean, yeah. dude, you were busy.
0: Yeah. passed off to you and all that hard work. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and the coolest thing is, is I got my my kids involved. My wife loves doing that kind of stuff. She just loves spending time with me. I don't know what's wrong with her, mm-hmm. but she does actually still like spending time with me. So my my three-year-old daughter loves it the most. She's getting in the tractor. Let's go. Uh, awesome. Getting on the four-wheeler. Let's go. I've shared a couple pictures of her yeah. getting really dirty, uh, you know, planting trees. And my and my son, has, he's 10 now, you know, I, I don't know if it's uh, this, uh, this generation, but if he's not on his uh, playing Fortnite, you know, he's not <laughs> half a kid. Yeah. But now he's getting to the point where he walks around with a little, I bought the, the Red Rider, man, where he yep. can just shoot 50 bb's if he wants to at a bird i bought him that he just he's gone this winter he's just gone i, I hand him the gun he just leaves that's awesome and it's man. awesome man it's everything that i used to do as a kid and uh, i just didn't have a place for him to do that in, in my neighborhood my yep. neighbor's drawn upon him shooting cats but you know so that that part's really cool man
2: awesome and and moving into the fall now after you've been out there all summer busting your butt how's the hunting I know you had your kids out Yeah I know you hunted a lot Like you said Yeah How did it end up Overall for you
0: Yeah so the the hunting Was really cool Um, You know I have really high goals When it comes to to Shooting deer I've I've shot a couple Decent deer And uh, I I guess I don't necessarily Have to kill What I consider You know Immature or small deer Anymore Uh, Hats off to somebody That does I passed a couple Deer that I know The neighbor shot And man They were great deer Right? So I had this unrealistic expectation of I wanted to shoot a 4.5-year-old or a 140. Right, That was kind of my expectation this year. And I had two deer on camera, uh, one that was showing up on my property that would probably fit that bill. And I just never got a chance to see them in person. But the hunting was awesome. Man, I'm using first year, watching does come out, eating your food, watch a buck come out right behind them, uh, you know, lip curl, grunt, chase, whatever. It, it, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, I really enjoy harvesting does, too, like I said. And I got a chance I shot a few does off the property, which was really neat. My uh, 10-year-old son, he shot a a giant doe off the property, which was really cool. Uh, And I had a buddy that came out, uh, and he shot a nice doe off the property. And I got to watch him shoot that. We hunted one of those big food plots together that we knew deer were coming out every night. So uh, we just, one of us sat on one trail, one of us sat on the other, and, you know, he smoked his doe, and I watched him shoot her. I watched her go down, and I honestly don't think I've ever seen somebody shoot a deer before, other than maybe, like, my wife or one of my kids, but I've never watched, like, from far away.
2: Yeah, a different angle. It was really cool.
0: It was really cool. Right. Um, so it, it was a lot of fun. The hunting was great. Uh, you know, I had my dad out, and, you know, he got to see a bunch of deer, and uh, we hunted out there for opening day, and, and the cool thing is I didn't, didn't hear really ma- a lot of shots, which is nice, you know, because then you don't cr- that is nice. you cringe every time you hear a gunshot on oh, your yeah. property because you know it's your biggest fear that you have getting shot yeah. in your mind.
2: Automatically yeah. assume yeah. it's, automatically. That one it's every him every time.
0: It's him. Yeah. So the the hunting the hunting was really good. It was predictable, and and, and what I accomplished and what I found, what my goal was with all this food is. It, and one thing I didn't mention is, I'm only a half mile from about. Um, 4,000 acres of public ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was actually a little concerned. Good to know. Uh, when I, I, yeah. When fall comes
2: around, I got my lone wolf on my
0: back. Dude, I'll show you. I'll show you, I'll show you where to go, man. Uh, me and me and my buddy that shot the doe, we scouted that because, uh, yeah, so, so I did what I thought I was going to do. I tracked every deer in the neighborhood, and I would see 30, 40 deer in a night on that one-back, two-acre plot. Uh, of mine, it was it was nice and secluded. So I did what I thought I would do, and and I, I shot I, I what I felt I did is I shot a lot of the non-resident does late season. Perfect. So yeah, so I shot other people's does, and I probably had three or four doe groups that bedded on my property during the season. But it, so the late season was really neat because I just attracted dozens of deer from other properties. That's awesome, which and is that,
2: cool. And that state grounds getting hit hard, so all those deer are leaving anyway. If you're yeah. there. And you're not in an area like mine where there's not a lot of crops and food close by. You're surrounded by it. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, on I mean, the back side of your farm, I mean, there's, there's property yeah. with corn and beans everywhere. Yeah. So for you to go all food, or not all food, but a lot of food, yeah. and it working for you in an area with all food, interesting.
0: Yeah, so it was different than what was planted, right? I, had, You know, the clovers, the, the wheat, the, the rye, and, uh, you know, brassicas and radishes, and, and there's corn and soybeans around Um, But actually, it was really eye-opening. I I saw 30 deer one night, one stand. And so I brought a buddy out the next night. He wanted to shoot a deer. I'm like, hey, we saw 30 deer tonight. Uh, Let's go kill a couple of these tonight together. And the corn got cut across the street. Uh Uh-oh. I saw zero deer that night. So it's interesting uh, the influence that cutting a cornfield can have to drawing deer. And this is, you know, a half mile away from my tree stand where I was hunting. But the deer, instead of going, you know, towards me, went north to this cornfield. And I drove out at night, and you just see them stacked up in that cornfield. They wanted grains, huh? They wanted wow. the grains, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So here I am. I would have
2: guessed that yeah, the night just, before.
0: Yeah, gonna chip chip shot. I'm gonna go shoot. We're just gonna go shoot a couple does, get it done real quick, you know. And next thing you know, they're gone, and now I can't kill a deer on my property. So that actually, that actually impacted me for about a week. Where wow. I try, I was trying to kill a doe and I couldn't. Did they come back? Oh yeah, they came back
2: after they cleaned out the corn. The, yeah, yeah, okay. after they
0: cleaned out the corn, uh, I'm sure they got shot at in that cornfield. It was oh, like, yeah. one of the one of the properties that weren't in our co-op. Okay,
2: so. ah, okay. Speaking of neighbors and cooperatives, the theme of tonight while we're here is cooperation with your neighbors. Yeah. Uh, whether it's the hunting cooperative or, or habitat collaboration, tell me about what you and your neighbors do together. Yeah. Um, I've been wanting to ask you about this, but I wanted to wait until we're doing this so yeah. I don't ruin it with already knowing the answer.
0: Yeah. So you think about this. We, that habitat is really important, and it's a lot of fun to do. But I think the first step to managing, you know, for age class or managing your hunting, whether it's shoot more does, shoot less does, you know, let little bucks go, whatever your, your goals are, I think the number one way to, to do that up front is to get your neighbors on board. I could have the best 70 acres in, you know, in Jackson County, the best habitat, the most food, the most cover, the most water, the least pressure. It doesn't matter if my neighbors aren't doing the same thing or close to the same thing that I'm doing. And I'm not expecting them to only shoot four-year-olds. Um, you know, so the first step that I did was I went out, man, and, and met a lot of these neighbors. And again, uh, hats off, I mentioned, this is the third time i am mentioning uh, uh, Jared, my neighbor Jared, he better be uh, giving you a bonus. He better be giving me a bonus, yeah, man. Uh, well, he, he likes to stick to himself, so he, he's, he's a sharp guy. Not on done. Facebook. Yeah, not, not on <laughs> Facebook, yeah.
2: No, he is a sharp guy. I always enjoy reading his posts because they're full of knowledge. He is. And he's done this stuff before, yeah. and I haven't, so I always yeah. pay attention to his posts.
0: Yeah. So he, he he sent out mailers to everybody within a two-mile radius. Nice. Inviting everybody to barbecue to my house, uh, to my property, so. And I don't think he showed up, so I think he owes me some hot dog money.
2: There you go. So anyway, <laughs> so we had about
0: 15 neighbors come by, uh, you know, fed them hot dogs and beers and, and brats, and just kind of talked about the hunting in the area, and. I think year one, we have about 1,500 acres of people that are serious and maybe another 500 acres of people that were just, eh, I don't really know, and they might have just, you know, circled their property and said they're on board. Who knows? Time will tell. But I think in in the first year up to, you know, 2,000 acres of touching properties, saying that, you know, we're going to pass one-year-olds, you know, some of us pass two-year-olds, a couple guys, like, I can only shoot four-year-olds. So it's really nice to know that you have neighbors that are doing the same thing, and it gives you it gives you more incentive to to pass the deer, right? I mean, I had several really nice two year olds that I probably would have shot back in you know my old place, you know, 120 inch, 125 inch, you know, nice deer. Nice two year
2: olds for sure. I think I passed
0: um, about 130 inch ten point. He didn't give me enough time. I picked up my camera instead of picking up my bow, which was. A smart thing of my thing, I would have filled the tag he, there He stand stopped there. at eight yards panting after chasing a doe, and it was really cool. I watched him just like right underneath my stand. No way. Yeah, and well, if I had, had my bow in my hand, you know what have happened. You know, I would just you know can tell
2: you what I would have done. Yeah. A couple seconds later there
0: would have been an arrow through him. But yeah. yeah. So starting this co op was probably the the most critical step beyond the food plots. I probably could have not done a whole lot year one and had a lot of fun hunting. But starting this co-op, I think, is going to advance the hunting beyond that, beyond my 70 acres, because. Uh what was also really neat is five of us had a group text, and every single night or every day we would text back and forth of what we saw and share trail camera pictures. And That's great.
1: It was a double-edged
0: sword too, because we'd find out like, hey, the neighbor killed this deer, and you know it's fine, but at better, better
2: the, to know that, though.
0: At least you had closure, and then yes. and, and you weren't still hunting. Uh, Correct. Weren't still hunting deer that were ghosts at that point, because we've all probably done that un- unknowingly. Exactly le- Exactly my point. Yep. Yeah. So the, co- the co-op was pretty cool. And then, again, and one of the things of why we're here, and uh, you know, just to plug the branch a little bit, and I volunteer my time. Everybody in everybody in the southeast Michigan branch uh, donates their time here. Uh, and we all have full-time jobs, and, you know, it, it, we're all pretty busy. But one thing that we're passionate about are some of the missions of QDMA, which one of them is cooperatives. And I think in the state that we're in of Michigan, where everybody owns 10 acres, right? Uh, no one has enough property. I know a couple guys that potentially have enough property to grow mature deer, but no one has enough property to grow a mature deer or or grow their deer herd the way they want to hunt it, right? Because every deer leaves your property, period, right? So that was that's one of the things that we're all really passionate about, and we want to help do that. So anybody in the Southeast Michigan branch that's, that's listening, get a hold of us. Uh, You know, become a member of QDMA. I think that's the the smallest thing that you can do uh, at minimum. But we'll come out and help you either have a co-op meeting or we'll show you how to knock on doors. We'll knock out knock on doors with you. I think it's great. Uh, And and you're doing it just to make the hunting better, right?
2: Oh, of course. And I think, uh, I mean, I didn't buy my property. uh, Let me rephrase that. I wasn't going to buy my property unless it was inside of a co-op. Yeah. So in a state like Michigan, um, where the pressure, like 10-acre pieces, like you're saying, pressure's yep. heavy, uh, it's a huge game-changer. Yep. And my neighbors both have Springbrook Cooperative signs on the trees, across awesome. the road, next to me. I mean, made that decision so much easier for me. Um, the fact that you're starting a brand-new one, that's pretty cool. And you've had some success, so that's that's awesome. And the fact that we're here tonight, kind of reaffirming your success yep. uh, is why we're here. Yeah. I love it. I love Great. it. So, well, you already plugged QDMA and got into that. I was going to wrap up with that. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to cover? I got one more thing before we go. Anything else you want to cover?
0: Uh, no. What else you got?
2: I was going to ask, what's the one thing... Well, I'm going to go back again. Your favorite tree. I always love this question. What's your favorite tree that you planted? Well, I really don't know what...
0: Because I haven't had anything really produced yet. Okay. I, mean, uh, I mean, I think the Norways are cool. Um, I'm really excited about some of the. Uh, I think the key for pears. I think you ordered some of those too this year. I did. I'm just. Yeah. I, I'm excited about having some some December dropping fruit trees. Awesome. Uh, I, I just added. Uh, I just watched a couple of videos and uh, my wife doesn't know this yet. But I probably have a few more trees to buy. <laughs> I think I'm going to go heavy with chestnut and persimmons as well.
2: I saw your Facebook post. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's getting really bad. <laughs> I think David Bryce, who's been on this, you know, he's. Yeah. I think it's got to be a meeting. Is there like a Habitat Anonymous meeting that you could have? You think you could start that after this podcast? We could. Yeah. Uh, a tree buyer
2: intervention.
1: Yeah. So you guys
0: just keep buying these
2: trees. Yeah. I get I it. I mean, I want every species out there yeah. and I want to plant it this year. And you got to think about the time and the supplies to wrap each one of those trees and the, the fencing, everything. Like, yeah. you can get ahead of yourself quick. Yeah, well, I guess
0: here's how I look at it. But
2: to you, planting how many hundreds of trees last year, you might be just getting started.
0: Well, the thing I look at it, and it is a lot of work, and I'm not looking forward to it. And I feel like I'm crazy when I when I actually looked at what I've already ordered. You got to get it
2: in off the front end, though, right? Yeah, in five
0: years, I'm gonna be really happy that I put in that work. And yep. yep. Not that I'm gonna be done doing habitat work in five years, but maybe I'll be done buying 150 <laughs> foot rolls of five foot, yeah. you know, fencing to yep. to cage them in because that's not that's not cheap. No. The trees are cheap. All that galvanized fencing to go around them and the posts and yep. the holes and uh, the water tanks to go out and water them when Mother Nature doesn't want to water them for you. You know, that, that takes time and that takes money. And, you know, going out and pruning all of them. I had to go out and prune only 30 apple trees this year. Nice. That's what wow. I ended up with. Uh, but next year, you know, I'm going to have to prune. I'm, I think I have probably 50 more apples going in uh, this year. And then I have uh, I bought fifty root stocks and going gra- to try to graft fifty trees. Nice. So that'll so then Charlie would be proud. Charlie would be proud. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so it's 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 kind of just I think it's just going to be a never ending addiction, but it's, it's a lot of fun, man. I'm uh, just getting started, a ton to learn, but awesome. it, it thanks to you know guys like you that have this type of information, this habitat podcast, we can all learn together. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Um,
2: that's why I'm doing it, man. I just love learning. Become better habitat managers. That's our slogan, but it came out of the actual need to do this stuff. Um, my last question for you was, what's one thing you would tell a guy who bought his farm maybe this February or this April, just getting into this? I mean, you covered what I'm gonna probably do in 10 years in one year sure. last year. So what would you? what's your one piece of advice that you give?
0: Yeah, man. Um... You know, your plan's going to change a lot. I I mean, it keeps changing. I keep canceling orders and reordering other things. So, you know, be flexible uh, and and don't be afraid to make mistakes. I would say that. So that's two things, right? I love it. You know, don't be afraid to make mistakes and and, and be flexible on your plan. Awesome, man.
2: Well, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and see all the great things you're doing, where can they do that?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, uh, always look me up on Facebook, Corey Francis, Um, you know check out QDMA as well. We have a Southeast Michigan QDMA page. Jump on that. Uh, but, yeah, just feel free to reach out to me, and uh, I'm sure there's tons of pictures on my property of my aerials uh, on on my Facebook and, and potentially uh, we can, I can share a couple of, uh, pictures with you. You can throw it on your website, too. Sure. Thanks. Nice.
2: Well, Corey, I appreciate you coming on. I'll make sure to put your property address in the show notes so that we can all come yeah. we'll uh, by October 1st. Yeah, weather, you know? come on over, man. But thanks for coming on, brother. Guys, thank you so much again for tuning in. I'd like to thank Corey one more time for a great episode. I had a really good time talking to you and hanging out with you that night, my man. And uh, just a lot of good information, and you're definitely inspiring by all that work you've done in year one. I mean, truly is. Um, I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning into the podcast once again this week. Thank you so much, guys. And then our sponsors The Habitat Hook, Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Packer Max, and Dip That Hydrographics. Guys, be sure to check out our Facebook page, Habitat Podcast on Facebook, to find the uh, GoFundMe for Gabe at Dip That Hydrographics. I know. Uh, His family can use some cash on hand, I'm sure, from whatever medical bills come out of the accident. Like I said, I don't know a ton about it yet, but uh, I know that we are praying for you, Gabe, and we definitely want to help support. So please go on our Facebook, find the GoFundMe, and uh, contribute if you can. You can also find us on HabitatPodcast.com, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get a podcast, you'll find us. And, you know, I just want to say, everybody, be safe. It's habitat season. Get out there, frost seed, hinge cut, do your thing, and uh, wear your safety equipment. And we will be back next week with another episode of the Habitat Podcast. Thanks for tuning in as we become better habitat managers.
1: jean Paul Bourgeois and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life.
2: Yeah, baby. Six eight Western. Oh, there,
0: baby, right there.
1: Tune in every Tuesday at 7
0: p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.